You can handle that? It looks big. Let me help you. Sir, oh my goodness, look at that. Samson anointing. Wow, brother. What's that X for? Is that what I'm supposed to be sitting or something? Sometimes they put tape on the sides and I feel like I'm in a batter's box. It's very challenging. One guy told me once there's a shock collar, electric shock collar, visible shock collar hooked to it. And if I step out of it, I will find out. And I was like, <laughs> I move around a little bit. So when the video cameramen say, we can't have him running all around. So they put tape. You have no tape. No tape. Good morning. It's good to be here. Pastor Mike, I don't know where you ran off to, but that little sitting on the steps sharing those scriptures like he did and piecing that together, like that was just enough for me. Like the worship's always amazing here. It's just an honor to Jesus, a love to Jesus. Every time I was here for worship this weekend, it was just beautiful. But that little piece right there, I mean, I don't know if you realized how much he covered with those three scriptures that he pieced together. The measuring stick of God's love, this is how we know love. Like, God's love's not on trial. God's love is established. His love's not on trial. Don't question his love because you got laid off. You got laid off. Don't question his love. <laughs> because if you got laid off and questioned his love, then all you become is laid off. You're not a son, and you won't handle the layoff through Christ. You'll just be laid off, and you'll cry out to God in despair, and you'll be frustrated the whole season until something works out. I'm just telling you. Bless you, sir. The measuring stick of God's love is Christ crucified. We've got to get this, church, or, or our attitude won't be healthy. It won't carry us through the journey. We have a journey. Paul talks about apprehending something. Uh, Ephesians says we have teachers in our life so that we can establish this unity of the faith and grow in the knowledge of the Son of God, like to the full measure of the stature of Christ. So that we're, right? So we're no longer, no longer tossed to and fro by every wind and doctrine so that our lives are actually sanctified and we don't live like Gentiles who don't know God, but we actually live changed. Are you with me? Come on, this is important. Don't feel like I'm going to here to correct you this morning. I'm not. I'm here to, to just encourage you and what it's really all about so we never get put to sleep by religion or let church attendance take the place of knowing him. Or, yeah, I'm a part of the rock. Oh, I love Pastor Mike. Our worship is awesome. Okay, that's all great. I'm glad, and I hope that's true, right? But that's not why you're a Christian. You're not a Christian to go to church. You're a Christian to be her. And the reason you come to church is to stay sharp and focused and aligned to why Christ died and put his life inside of you. So like having a bad attitude is not cool. It's never Jesus. You can get arrogant, have a cocky attitude, and all you're doing is, is indicting yourself that you don't know Jesus like you could. Jesus does not have detrimental, cocky, moody attitudes. Or he would have issues with you and me. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't have first impressions. He sees people for what they're created for. That's why his love has never failed. On your darkest day, he never lost sight of you or your destiny or the purpose that he had for you. No matter how hard you ran, no matter how contrary you talked, and no matter how contradictory you acted, 
He never lost sight of who you are and why you're here. And when you had no idea who you were, he always knew. And that's why Christ is crucified. That's why his blood's on the mercy seat. And that's why it's speaking better things the whole time you're living lost. Because he's good. And he never changes. And we sang he's faithful. You better believe he's faithful. He doesn't lose his faithfulness because you got in a car wreck. He doesn't lose his faithfulness because you got laid off. He doesn't lose his faithfulness because your spouse took off. He remains faithful because he never changes his mind about you or destiny. Somewhere over the generations, we got the idea that God is in position to take care of us instead of transform us and empower us to shine as lights in the world. And if you're overwhelmed because of your circumstances, you are not shining. If you have a bad attitude, you're not shining. If you're called to walk in the light as he's in the light, then anything that dims the light is an enemy and a deception. Any attitude, any way you process, any mentality that lessens the light in your life, any mindset, any mood, any thought pattern that keeps you from shining is an absolute deception because the whole reason Christ is in you is so you shine. I hope you're excited about this. <laughs> I feel a little uh, somebody taken back, a, a multiplicity of people just kind of taken back by this. Look, it's not too cold to preach this. It's not too early to preach this. <clears throat> it's the truth. And one day we're going to stand before God and realize it was the truth the whole time. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just being intense and saying, listen, that's not be in all the right places, sing all the right things, and learn how to do amazing church and fail to become her. Let's make sure that we have a viable relationship with Jesus, that we actually believe he loves us through the cross, that we've separated his identity from our circumstances, we've separated our identity from our circumstances, and we're finding ourselves in him so he's the revelation and expression of our lives are you with me come on it's never the wrong time to be passionate about this ever and it's not calm down brother you don't have to be so you're wrong about that this is serious like we think nothing about having a bad attitude people come to church like this and think nothing about the highest thing they walk in sometimes is just assessing the speaker they get to the car and the most they get out of it is, well, what'd you think? Well, I think he was a little overexpressive, a little too intense. I, I mean, I don't think he has to shout like that and he toned his voice up and down so much it just kind of distracted me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's how we've been geared through the fall of man. It's not heaven. It's not cool. It's not wise. And it's not acceptable in the kingdom of God. And just because it's acceptable in your world doesn't mean it flies in his. And it keeps you alone, and it keeps you proud, and it keeps you unproductive. And when you stand before him in that day, that's not going to be a good resume. How's that for straight talk? Come on. I'm not mad at anybody. This thing is real. There is foxes running all through the vineyard. And all they're interested in is clipping the fruit of the vine and clipping the fruit of the vine and clipping the fruit of the vine so that you have 15 years of church experience and you've served in a ministry, but you don't have fruit. And in this, the Father's well pleased that you bear fruit and that your fruit remain. 
And then if you bear fruit, he's going to prune you so you bear even more. Why? Because each seed after its own kind. And there's this one seed, the seed that came through the woman that fell to the ground and he sprung up and he is bearing much fruit. Each seed after his own kind. Not confession, expression. Are you with me? That was good. I feel like I'm preaching good. You gave me your pulpit today. I don't take that lightly. I don't have a need to preach to you. I didn't fly here because I'm feeling some kind of thing. I flew here because I believe what I'm telling you. I have zero need to preach. I have zero need to be in your pulpit. I'm here because I want to be and I believe what I'm saying and I believe you're worth the price of the blood of Jesus and if we would lock arms and go after this thing, we could turn things around, I promise you. We've actually, we've actually been on some thin ice lately. We, we react to COVID. We react to the elections. We fall apart, blow up social media, get confused because the prophets were wrong. And then we pull back and, and all this real proves that we don't really understand why we wake up every day. And somehow we're trying to survive. We get tricked into trying to survive instead of shine. And now all our prayers are wrapped around blessing and benefit instead of transformation and expression. And I'm telling you what, trying to survive is a boring and miserable roller coaster life. And just being a Christian for your sake is actually a bummer because you stay self-centered, self-focused, self-conscious, and confused. And then when things go wrong, God's even in question. And now you have the right to have an attitude towards him. And we ain't even really flying right now because we're trying to resolve some conflict. That's just evidence of a person that doesn't understand covenant and they actually have no idea where they're saved. They think they signed up for heaven instead of new life. You did not sign up for heaven. Heaven wants to come back into you so you can manifest the Son of God and walk in love the rest of your life. So that you can make peace, that you can show mercy, that you aren't presumptuous and judgmental so that you don't start strange fires. You understand how to put them out. You never fuel a thing that God didn't light. And as much as depends on you, the book of Romans says, you have peace with all men. You're not a troublemaker. You're a peacemaker. Why? Because you're a son of God. You hear me? Come on, you pray for those who persecute you. You give to those who spitefully use you. Why do you do that? Because your son's your father in heaven and he causes the rain and the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. What credit is it to you if you only love those who love you? You're good. I, I hope you're good because I'm like really amazing. And, and it would be so sad if you're not at least good. <laughs> if I feel so amazing right now. Because there's nothing you can do about my day being amazing. You can't stop that. Because crisis can't even stop that. I've been in crazy serious car wrecks. I've had my kids run wild. I've had people do things they should just never do because they just do things because they don't have a revelation. And instead of getting mad at them, you ought to follow Jesus. Wow, if they really saw 
you and understood and knew and were in love with you, they wouldn't have did what they did. Wow, if they really knew, if they really walked in the light as you're not, Father, forgive them. They know not. Oh, I think they know what they do. I think they do it on purpose. They've just learned how to push every one of my buttons. That's a problem. I've been praying for God to knock them off their high horse. Well, how about if you just go buttonless and then they're no longer a threat to you because as long as you have the buttons and they're a threat to you, watch. They're dictating who you are and how you are. You might as well sing the worship songs to them. Because all of a sudden they're Lord and they govern and rule your life. Come on, it's not, it's okay if I talk straight to you. This is a family. You have family written everywhere. So I'm going to, this is a living room. We're talking it, man. This is family. Let's just have a chat. It's not correction. Chastising means instruction. The reason we assemble ourselves together isn't because this is the time the rock gathers and that's where we belong. Let's go way deep. I don't think they've surrendered and committed and sold out for that vision. I think their vision's a little higher than that. (laughs) The whole reason we gather is so we can stir one another in love and in good works so that on Monday you don't go to your job with a bad attitude. So on Monday you don't go with sarcasm. So you don't leave the home trashing and talking down your spouse and animosity in the kitchen waiting for you in the afternoon when you come back. Boy, am I preaching good. This is why we gather This is why we assemble. At least we get lulled to sleep by religion and learn to do the form of a thing without becoming the thing. And all of a sudden, our Christian confession is the church we attend and the prayer that we prayed. Instead, the intimacy and the relationship that we possess through the person of wonderful Holy Spirit who leads me every day in truth and shows me things to come and bears witness of all things that Jesus gave to me that he has from the Father. So wonder if you today say, duh, you know what? I'm going to get more serious about the things that matter most. And I'm going to not let these things ever matter more. And I'm not going to be decided by how things are going. I'm going to be decided by who he is in me and why. And even if somebody's going to do me wrong, I'm not going to live done wrong because I've been done way too right to live done wrong. Look, I've been forgiven of everything I've ever done. I fought convictions for 13 years. 13 years I fought them and they never went away. Because his love doesn't fail. He never said, what a jerk. Shut off the voice. What an idiot. He'll never change. If he didn't change by now, he ain't changing. Don't convict him anymore. 13 years, dude, I fought the conviction. And for 13 years, If 
if I did that to you for 13 years, you just might have cut me off in the first month. <laughs> you might have been calling for prayer because I'm under your skin. You might have said, if God changes him, my life will be better. And you might have prayed for me because I was trouble, not because you loved me. Whew, man. How many times we get tricked into praying for people because there are pain somewhere in our body. And the only reason we're praying because we know if they change, our day's better. We don't pray for them because they're not seeing who they're created to be. We don't pray for them because they have higher purpose. We don't really follow Jesus like we sing sometimes. We let the fall of man and the wisdom of the world and the way that seem right to a man motivate our lives. And we incorporate this into something that nevers him. That is a lethal concoction that won't stand the test of time. It'll never take you to the finish line. You'll actually think you have a reason to grow weary in well-doing. And you'll justify it based on circumstances instead of staying empowered by truth. Do you ever see Jesus sit down and give up? You know, Father, people just don't appreciate me, and I'm sick and tired of doing good every day of my life. Good, 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 good. And all they want to say is, you're a devil, you're evil, you're a blasphemer. I can raise the dead, and I'm Belial. Are you kidding me? These people are jacked, man, and I'm done with it. I ain't doing no more miracles. I ain't multiplying no food. You know them people went out of their way to find me. They got in them boats, come the whole way over there to find me, and the only reason they trucked me down is they wanted another meal. They could care less what I'm saying. They just want their needs met. Selfish people. I'm done with them. I'm just telling you. I don't know why we loved them in the first place. <laughs> he could have said all those things and he's right. But he can't say all these things. Why? Because he's Jesus? No, because he's love. Because he doesn't think for himself. And he doesn't know how to have that attitude. We were trained by that attitude because we were born into self-centeredness. And you must be born again. And we turned born again into a prayer we pray that orders our destination instead of a life we live that orders our expression. So we've preached a self-centered, beneficial gospel that serves me instead of changes me. So we stay the same with minimal conviction, but embrace the blessing with passion. I'm preaching good in your pulpit. I can feel it. I can tell it's, it's not me. See, I get words. It's not my fault. I don't talk about this much, but Jesus said, as I hear, I speak. It's what happens to me every time I preach. You can tell I don't have notes, but you can tell I don't stutter. <laughs> and you hear scripture just coming out of me nonstop. You know why? Because as I hear, I speak. And presumptuous people that say, well, you need to settle down. You, need, you don't even understand what's going on inside of me. I'm actually very calm right now. No, I'm doing really good with what's going on inside of me. I'm well behaved. But words come to me like a flood. You say, they say, slow down. I can't even take notes. You don't even know what you're asking. I got one little crack at you guys, man. 
I'm the whole way from Pennsylvania. I got one little Sunday morning. Some of you, this is the first time I'm seeing you. How many is this the first time I'm seeing you this weekend? See, see, look, I got one little window, this grace of opportunity to sow something into your life and trust it'll stick and make him better in you and make you better in him. And I covet that. I take that serious. And when I kneel during worship, I'm not even just reverencing God. He's worthy of my kneeling. But you know why I kneel? I do it all the time during worship when I speak. I say, I have no need to preach. You know that, right? You know everything about me. I have no, and a lot of times I'm just affirming it in me. I have no need to stand in this man's pulpit. But I'm here, and he's going to hand me a mic in a little. God, if he handed you a mic, you know this room. You know every in and out. You know every person, every life, every family. You know exactly what you'd say in the next hour. Would you let that be the only words that come out of my mouth because I have no need to preach a sermon. And then I stand up and this happens every time. And I get overwhelmed, overrun. It's what happens every time. Every time. It happens every time. And it's just not my fault, Pastor. So if you can find the, the Lord's email, email the Lord. Stop emailing me. Just stop. Stop. Stop emailing me. Stop all the negative emails. I won't read them anyway. I don't even read the positive ones because there's too many. My girls say, you really need to read some of these. I said... Show me a couple. <laughs> so I'm so old. I'm so caveman. Like, I won't get on a uh, computer and scroll through emails because it's hundreds. So people go through them for me. So if you're trying to reach me on an email, you're not reaching me. It's, I'm, I, I'm one guy that people, not me, people put all over YouTube. Not me. I don't even own a computer. <laughs> I don't own an iPad, an iPod. I have none of that I, I, I stuff. I don't. <laughs> oh my goodness, did I say that? <laughs> I don't even have an iPhone. The Apple bothers me. <laughs> Just bothers me. Maybe you ought to listen to the interview on the internet of the man that is responsible, that past of who was atheist and antichrist and said the apple's on purpose, it represents deception, and I wanted to create a product that gave people access to the world at the same time isolated them. It's in his interview. I think it's working. He said the apple's on purpose. Represents sensuality. Getting people connected and feel like they're so connected. They have 500 contacts. I got 850. I got 10,000 followers. And you've never met one. And you have no contact. So you have connectivity with the world and you're isolated. Living off of numbers and statistics. Ain't that something? So the apple does bother me. I'm not joking. So I have an Android. I'm just kidding I didn't get an Android because the apple bothers me but I do have an Android but I don't carry it with me I kept it in the room the whole weekend it's turned off in my suitcase right now 
I'm not a social media. I've never been on Facebook. I wouldn't even know how. I'm not interested in that stuff. I want to look you in the eyes. I want to sit on a plane and talk to that person. I want to go through the doors of a mall and say, hey, hey, you, you know, and they go, and you don't even keep going. You don't, you don't, God, I'm now hot fire. <laughs> it's just Holy Ghost. Just, hey, I'm giving an example. Young girl, 20 years old, I'm guessing, comes down. Hey, honey, what you've been thinking is so, so much a lie. Your life's so worth living. You're so valuable to God. And deep in your heart, you know that. Stop living surface thoughts. Come on, your life's worthy of Him. The Lord said she was contemplating suicide. And you think she needed help, ministry. She, nope, she just needed Jesus to invade her coming out the door. Bam! And just trust him with her and her with him. Just go buy your fishing lure you went in there for. And then when you're paying for it, you see the lady behind the counter is wearing a boot. And she don't want to let me pray for her. And I said, I really wish you would. It'll be fun. <laughs> so I compelled her. She ended up crying and hugging me because she could do things with her foot for the first time she could remember for a long time. And then you're coming down through the corridor and this guy's trying to sell you something in the... And you end up talking to him and you pray for him and that's just going to buy fishing, Lord. Why? Because I don't have bad attitudes. People don't bother me. I'm not shook up, full of anxiety and wondering how my day's going to unfold. I woke up for one reason. One reason. To walk in love and manifest his image. Mercy gave me one more day, son. Gave you today one more day to be more like him. Everything else is a gift. Everything else is an add-on. There's one reason you're alive. Let us make man for our image. The image got lost through sin. Man got separated from God, separated from love. And got born into Adam. In need of love, self-centered, self-conscious, self-focused, with no identity and no value. That's everybody in the room. And at a super young age, you evolved into nothing more than how you responded to how it all went down. And at a very young age, they laughed at you in school and you had options. Be broken, be crushed, be introverted, be insecure, or toughen up and be a fighter. But no matter how you responded, none of it's you. None of it. It's all hinged on the fall of man and lies and a world void of love. And you're a product of self-centeredness all around you. Even in our families, our parents only correcting us because we're wrong, not because we're more than that. I'm not bashing parents. We just didn't know better. Lines you can cross. Billy, get to your room. But dad, just get to your room. That's a great way to raise up Billy. And then ask him to respect you. Come on, don't get hurt by that. Get changed by it. Don't get self-centered right now and start getting upset, condemned, or feeling sorry for yourself. Say, duh, what was I thinking? Come on, I'm not going to let you off easy. He gave me the mic, and unless he gives me the big old shepherd hook and takes it back, I'm coming. I'm coming. And I'll even try to back up and avoid him for five minutes to get more in, but... And when he tackles me and gets the mic, we're done. But for until then... And I'm fast, dude. Don't even try me. No, you have no idea. 
<laughs> Don't. <laughs> You're all good. You know why we're laughing like this right now? It's Holy Ghost anesthesia. Because he doesn't want you heavy in the seriousness of what I'm saying. He just wants you hearing. He doesn't want you overwhelmed. He wouldn't, he wouldn't throw that stuff in there. It wouldn't just happen like that and be sincere, giggle, and chuckle. If I tried to be funny, it'd be ridiculous. I'd be dry, and you'd run me out of the room. I never try to be funny. People say, you're hilarious. I say, yeah, that is not my fault. <laughs> you know why we're laughing in the middle of when it was so intense? Because he doesn't want you burdened. He wants you free. He wants you to understand he's not mad. He's just plowing ground and saying, come on. He's cheering you on. We can do it. Let's go, church. 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 Come on. That's all this is this morning. It's not bad, Christian. Are you really saved? That's none of this. That has nothing to do with this morning. What it has to do with this morning is why he sent his son and why we're here and why we're on the earth in the first place. There's no mystery anymore, guys. Stop trying to figure out why you're here. You're here for his image. You're here for model love. Don't even try to step into a ministry until that's a reality or you'll minister for all the wrong reasons. You'll minister for identity. You'll minister for appreciation. And then you're still on thin ice because somebody not, might not appreciate you for what you feel like you put out. And then they pull up Sister Sandra and they honor her for her last six months and you think, I've been in this ministry for nine. They ain't never acknowledged me. Well, this rock, this bunch of hypocrites, they just, they, they, they bias people. And then you go down to the church down the street carrying all that with you. No, I mean, I'm good. I'm good and everything. I just, just don't fit anymore. Things just seem like they changed. Pastor Mike was cool when I got there. He just, something's different. People do it all the time. They church shop. You're not supposed to church shop. You're the body of Christ. You're not church shopping. What you're saying is I'm going to find a place that pleases me and fulfills my needs and meets my desires. And if that changes, I'm out of there and I'll find another place. So then pastors come under the pressure of trying to produce a product you're shopping for. So now we have the church store. And it's not about the service. It's not about the worship. It's not about the voice of the singer and the tone of the music. It's about the truth of who he is and who we are in him, staying sharp in that thing and going out of here and walking in love. This is like a football huddle. We're just rallying. We're calling a play, and we're going to win this game. We got the ball. Come on. You guys understand that in Denver area? I know you're in Castle Rock, but it's not far. I remembered where I was. I get on planes. This is the strangest conversation. You heading home? You coming? Oh, no, I'm heading home. Oh, why were you here? Just, just vacation? No, well, felt like a vacation. Had the time of my life. Had so much fun. Why? What were you doing? Well, I begin to tell them, whoa. Yeah, they said, what church? Uh, You know, I, never, I, don't even, I'm not sure, I know that sounds strange. I don't, I'm not even sure the name. It was Pastor So-and-so. They picked me up at the airport. But, you know, honestly, I never paid it. I do this every weekend, and I know the name means something to the church, and it's important to the church, but it's, just, it's, I mean, it's the people I care about. I say, like, where do you go? Do you go, well, I, 
I mean, I used to go to church. Used to go to church. Well, yeah. Oh, so you had some stuff. Yeah, people, you know, people. I said, well, you realize what you're doing? You're letting more people aren't decide where you are. And now you're not going to church. And your highest revelation of Christianity is church attendance. You actually feel far from God. He doesn't even seem real to you. And you have convictions in your heart right now. How do you know? Fire. No, I don't do that part. I don't do that part. You just want me to, but I don't do that part. I've had so many people cry beside me on airplanes. You know why? I don't have issues. I'm not distracted. I see things. I'm available. I'm not bothered by the seat I'm in. I don't care if it's the middle. I don't care if it's by the pooper. Come on, somebody's got to sit by the pooper. Why can't it ever be you? You're supposed to love one another. You're supposed to lay down your life and serve one another. Not consider your own interests, but the interests of others. So you can't sit in the middle. Somebody's gotten to sit in the middle. You be the meat. Let them be the bread for a change. I get in the middle, I got somebody on both sides. So if they're all mic'd up and zoned out, at least I got double options. In fact, when you're in the middle and they're in the window and they seatbelt up, they're done. They're in. I ain't never seen nobody get out of one of them windows. Ever. But honestly, I've never seen nobody try. You know, I had a lady crying so hard beside me, the flight attendant came, tried to move her, thought I was pestering her. She gave me the stinky eye, man. A flight attendant, she that gave me the stinky eye. She came and said, ma'am, I'm going to move your seat. And she just glared at me, and I just said, because I'm not defending a thing. I ain't justifying nothing. If I'm a blessing to her, she'll say so. I'm not going to create a testimony in my own words. I just know my heart wasn't to bother her. I just heard something, and I shared it, and she lost it. And she said, my mom's been saying that. I said, honey, God's been saying it. <laughs> it, was, it was really funny because the flight attendants there, people are here and listening. They're looking. They can't help to hear her cry. She's crying. Like, she ain't even trying to be, like, cool about it. She, she's undone. What do you do when Jesus lands on you? Act like you're okay. <laughs> no, you <laughs> stuff out your ears, your eyebrows. <laughs> Flight attendant's barely up front yet, and I go, oh no, really? Lord, are you serious? I looked at her, I said, honey, I really I got one more thing I have to say to you. She looked at me like you just did, like, only she didn't have that smile. She went, oh. I looked her right in the eyes. You'll love this. I said, honey, I still didn't know her name. I said, Crohn's disease is no match for the blood of Jesus Christ. I could say that to a thousand people and they'll look at me cockeyed, Pastor. But I said it to her. Why would I say it to her? Because he knows her. Now she knows he knows her. And now she knows I know him. <laughs> Woo! So now I don't have to theologically persuade her into my belief pattern and system. <laughs> I'm preaching so good in your church. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so, so watch this. So, so, so I said, Crunchy, you know what? She's, she's suffering terribly. 
from Crohn's disease. And when I said it to her, she goes, And I looked, I went, "Uh uh-oh. She's coming, man. I mean, I, I know she didn't have it, but I thought I saw like a board in her hand or a ruler or something or a hook or something. But she's coming. And I'm just sitting there going, this is really good. But I'm just waiting. I'm not going to say nothing. She comes. She says, it's just like this right here. She grabs her arm. She says, you come with me. I'm taking you. I have a seat up front. This lady, she has, she has, she looked like she might have had uh, uh, maybe a black parent, a white parent. She was very light-skinned, but she had, she had like an Afro-type hair, but it was so big. Like she had big hair. It smelled so good. She, she did. I was like, oh, my goodness. What'd she put in there? Because here's what she did. She hooked my arm. She turned and hooked my arm with her arm and pressed her head in my shoulder, and her hair covered me. No, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. There's no way you could see my face. Her hair went poof, and I went, whoa. Holy. Like the aroma of the Lord. Like, you know how people say, I think I smelled the Lord. No, it was just her hair, perfume, but whatever product she had, she should be advertising it, selling it. I would buy it. (laughs) I would buy it. (laughs) She said, there's no way I'm moving. This man is helping and I came out from behind the hair. <laughs> and I said, honey, I'm so sorry. You're just doing your job, and I know what it must have looked like. But the Lord himself has given me some things, and I'm going to pray for her. He showed me she had crumbs. What? What? And now people are listening to watch. We hug. She's hugging me like I'm her daddy. She's like hugging me like I'm a long-lost friend on her way out. And she's heading out. And I'm like, wow, God, what a great flight. Get my stuff. I'm heading. I get on the jetway. There's a person in the jetway standing trembling. Excuse me. Yeah? Can you pray for me? I pray for him. I turn around. There's somebody standing here. I pray for him. There's somebody up here. I can't get out of the jetway. It's just like a conference when it's over and you all come. You all just come. And I look and there's no line. There's just faces. That's what the flight looked like. I've had four people stop me and ask me for prayer on my way out of the plane because of whatever took place many times. We've never had five. We're still working on five. You know what's going to happen one day? It's just going to blow it away and be like 10. I've been in Charlotte Airport where we've had 50 people in a circle, 80 people in a circle watching the manifestation of God. And then I get to lift my voice and explain what's happening and then run and catch my flight. Why? Because of love. I don't have issues. I don't have people stuff. 
I don't have judgments. Everybody matters. They're all worth the blood. They're all wearing the same price tag. Everybody on the earth has the same exact value. They can all walk in His image. There is no high life. There's no low life. There's no hot shot. There's no scum. There are people made for the image of God. Period. That's all I see. And if my eye is single, my whole body's flooded with light. Why? Because the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye's single, your whole body's flooded with. But if your eye's not single, darkness encroaches. And if the light in you is darkness, that's strange. If the light in you, is, that's perversion. That means you're created for the light. But if the light's been perverted into darkness, how great's the darkness? What's he saying? Just how twisted is your view on life and who you are, who he is, who others are. Because your, your, your view is what determines your expression. And if God can give us a revelation and you say, it can't be that simple. Oh, it's this simple. A child can get this. And unless you become like one, you'll never get it. If he can change my perspective, he's changing my whole world. And if he can get me to see through his eye, I'm in. This thing's going to be fun. Are you with me? So on the Sunday morning, I'm talking to everybody in this house. I'm saying, listen, this is why he sent his son, and this is why we're in what we say we're in. So it's your privilege, not responsibility. It's your privilege to yield to him, to let him love you, to believe the gospel. It's your privilege to see his first love and absolutely love him. <laughs> Where you're never alone again. You say, I don't have any friends. You got the best friend. And through him being a friend to you, you'll get a whole bunch of friends. See, when you say, I ain't got any friends, you're trying too hard. You're probably repelling everybody that doesn't know Jesus well. <laughs> Come on, we get driven by need. Did you ever know how people that are in pain or hurt in life surround themselves with people that understand their pain? And the highest grace they receive is that people seem to care and they're drawing sympathy, not truth, to get them free. So they stay there. So then they get a mark there. And 10 years later, it's still their story. And 10 years of unproductivity. And this is what I've been through. And 20 years later, the story still carries weight because it's been their justification and their identity. And they're wearing that old, messy garment that doesn't even look good on them. Well, you don't know what I've been through, Pastor. That's the problem. That's self-centered. Do you know what he's been through? Have you even considered what God has done? Or have you got tricked into feeling sorry for yourself because it's the loneliest party you'll ever attend? You say, that's pretty stiff talking. You're not being too sensitive. What do we have to do? Go through everybody's hell stories so we can talk free? Do I have to tell you all the hell I've been through so you respect my voice? Because I could run off the list too. Might not been as bad as you, but it was hell. Might be more. Don't take the risk. Let's just go after truth. Stop letting what we've been through matter more. 
You know, I was in a service like this, preaching like this, and it got on me so I actually was uncomfortable, Pastor. It came out of me like a machine gun, and it was the speech was so intense, I was uncomfortable. And I felt like it was insensitive. There was a little girl sitting right around where you guys are from Guatemala. And she was six years old. She's out with her puppy. They came in her village with machetes. She heard screams and she heard stuff. She ran to the village and crawled under a bush and looked and she held the mouth of her puppy. As she watched them execute, her mom, her dad, and her 11 siblings for being Christian. That's trauma. Well, my dad didn't love me growing up. Okay. Maybe you ought to talk to this girl. And see if you're even on the right track. She watched them all die. You know what they did? They didn't just kill them. They strung them up. Dad, mom, and by age. As a sign to the village. This is what will happen to anyone. That doesn't renounce this Jesus. So guess what? She grows up. Lonely, hurt. As she gets older, analytical questions. Why would you let my parents die? Why didn't you protect them? I'm an orphan. I don't have any brothers, any sisters. Her heart gets hard. She runs off into sin. She's living in darkness. These people reach her, minister to her. She's still in a jam. She's got a sickness in her body. She's in trouble. She's hurt. She's confused. You say, well, she needs deliverance. She's got trauma. Somebody's got to walk. Somebody just needs to give her truth. She's sitting in a service. And I'm preaching and I'm uncomfortable because it came out like a laser. And I'm in my mind going, Lord, this is too harsh. This is too harsh. It sounds insensitive. And as I'm thinking that, my mouth's going, she screams, goes into convulsions, throws up all over the back of the chair in front of her, which I wish would never have to happen. I don't know why that has to happen. I'm like, Lord, I'm not trying to counsel you, but yeah. She's in convulsions. It looks like she's having seizures. And everybody's panicking. And I said, it's fine. Holy Spirit's in control. He's got her. Just let her go. Don't anyone touch her. It's fine. And I just kept preaching. Now, here's the, here's the catch. If I'd have known her story, I'd have never been able to come close to preaching what I preached. And what I preached was her freedom. But my human side, my sympathy, my analytical mind, my reasoning ability, I'd have had too much trembling. Knowing her story to address it, I'd have just, or I'd have felt like I'm projecting on her. I, it would have stumbled. But the whole time, she's just waiting for straight truth to make her free and I was blind to her story and my mind was shaken by the aggressiveness what was God doing going after a daughter for keeps he was snatching her out of the darkness and he was bringing her into the light and watch this it didn't sound like anything you or I would have thought it should have sounded like it was so aggressive and so intense and so militant and I would think she just needs hugged and cried over. 
And honestly, it's the last thing she needs because it keeps her there and it puts the robe on tighter that she's never created to wear. Snaps the zipper, super glues the buttons. She told me the story after I fell apart. Fear and trembling hit me because I knew I didn't have the capacity to preach what I preached if I knew her story. Guess what she told me? You're going to love this, Mike. She said, I said, what happened to you when you were sitting there? She said, well, when I was six, and she told me the story, and I'm like, are you serious? That happened to you? Oh, yes, that happened. And it led me into a life of anger, mad at God. Felt like I hated God many times when I felt alone. I'd think of my family and how old we'd all be. And, and I thought of my parents not being here. And, and I just so many whys and earn. I just settled some things in my heart and went off and lived into sin and darkness. And, and she said, well, I was sitting there and you were speaking. I realized God was good that he made a way for eternal life that my siblings and my parents we're living forever in the presence of Jesus because of his blood. And I'm angry because they died and they're alive. And I used to say, I, 11 siblings died. How would you feel? 11 siblings of mine died. And I had 11 siblings and they all died. She said, when I was sitting there, I realized 11 siblings didn't die. 12 did. And I realized... All these years I've been living as if I was dead and I've been deceived and I could go on and live for the glory of God. And she said when her heart repented and she saw the difference and went, duh, deliverance came because every legalistic devil that was holding her had to scream out of her life and it wasn't much of a fight. Yeah. And the sickness that was in her, I got word two, three weeks later was completely gone out of her life. Nobody prayed for healing. New life through Jesus Christ. He's not waiting for our confession. He's waiting for our surrender. We're not even pursuing healing just to be healed because it's miserable being sick. We're being healed because he loves us and he paid for redemption and we're all in and all that is his is ours and all that is ours is his and we're going to live to the glory of God. He was healing in the Bible and he woed the cities and said, if I'd have done the things I've done in your city here and here and here, they'd have repented long ago. They'd be in sackcloth and ashes and you're just living for the healing. You ain't getting the point. Jesus said that and he woed the cities. Am I telling the truth? It's amazing. It's only 11.51, but I feel done. I do. I feel like I said what I was supposed to say in the rock on Sunday morning. I think I said plenty. I think you got enough to wrap faith around and maybe start loving one another and loving Jesus because he loves you and getting in prayer. I'll leave you with this. This is awesome. When they're up here, this is awesome. I love it all. But there ain't nothing that compares to your ability to do this when nobody's around. There ain't nothing that compares to your ability to be with him. And that's what he paid the price for. Not for you to go to heaven. He paid the price for you to be with him. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father 
except by me. He didn't say no one goes to heaven. No one gets signed up in the book of life. He said no one comes to the Father. What happened? Sin separated us from the Father. And the Father said, I ain't having it. Sin evicted me from my home. I don't need some other home. I'm going to deal with sin, and I'm going to move back in. And when I move back in, it's going to be brand new, renovated home. Yeah? Yeah? Who's close to the front? And you lived a rough life. You made some bad decisions, and Jesus had to wash you clean, and you just... Was that you? Okay. So let's just say, not for remembering the past sake, but let's just say when you were in that state, Father's looking for a place to live. Let me have fun with it. He's just walking through the earth. He's got a realtor. The realtor's excited because he thinks, man, I'm going to sell God something to live in. I'm going to get me some serious commission. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, man. So he's showing him all these places. And the Lord's looking and he's walking. He says, no, you know, it's just not what I'm looking for. And he goes, oh, right there, right there, sir, right there. That's where I want to live. And the realtors, he's looking through a man's eyes and he goes, you want to live there? Well, of course I want to live there. Are you kidding me? Don't you see? See what? You don't see? He says, well, let me look. I don't even know if you can live there. That, it's not real estate. It's a person. Hey, it says here that if you live there, it's going to cost you blood. Already got that figured out. Already settled that. See, here's what you don't understand. When I move in there, it's going to look like I always lived there. And nobody will ever be able to tell that I didn't live there. Because this is where I always wanted to live. And then he gives the blood of Jesus, the deal signed, and she says yes, and he moves right in. Isn't that amazing? Look, he could put a castle in the sky. He's going to come someday. The trumpet's going to sound the north, the south, the east, the west. They're going to be on different time zones. And, but yet we're all going to see him at once. Read your Bible. He could put a castle in the sky, Mike. You guys could come out your whole life, come out of your house and go, whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Massive mansion castle just hovering it. You teach your kids, that's where God lives. Your kids. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want a house made with hands. He doesn't want to live in a castle in the sky. He wants to live in you. And he wants to live in me. And he wants to be personal. He wants to be a father. He wants to be family. And he wants people to look at you and go, Whoa. Wow. That's where God lives. That sure beats, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I go to the rock. No, 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 whoa. Why? Because of your attitude on the job. Because of the love you show in the marketplace. Because of the way you'll lay down your life at a line, at a gas pump. Because you'll walk over every once in a while, even though it's tight on your end, and you'll just swipe your card and say, hey, I just swiped my card, you can get your gas. I didn't want you to swipe over top. Why'd you do that? I just want you to know. And I'm going to leave. Jesus really, really loves you. And you think, well, that's kind of lame. Shouldn't we give him? No, that might be all they need because you got that impression. Trust God. He's a big boy. Let him work that thing out. They might, they might be a lost son. They might be on the run. They might be, yeah. 
Look, I had, I had an insurance guy call my home and my voicemail came on and I, oh, I take every opportunity to preach. Holy Spirit and me would have fun with it. Like, like it would, my voicemail would be on my home landline. For years I did this. It would be on there for a couple months. I'd be in the house moving around. Holy Spirit would say, hey, let's change your message. Let's put a new one on. I'd say, really? I'd have no idea what I was going to say. It was so fun. Just living by faith. So I'd run over and I'd hit the button. Beep. It would delete. So now we got blank tape. We better, and now, beep, and now you better talk. I loved it. It was so God. I go, beep, and then beep, and I'd be, so fun. Insurance guy calls. He's a pastor's son. He's backslidden. His life's a mess. He listens to my voicemail, falls on the floor in his office, cries, and gets restored to God. Just listen to my voice now. See, the kingdom of God is if a man just scatters seed. When I'm preaching, I got two bags up on my side. I, just, <laughs> I thought they were empty just a minute ago, but all of a sudden I, I, found, some, I, found, some, I found some more. <laughs> Please be alone with Jesus when nobody's looking. You young people, man, lay on your bed and talk to him. Don't lay on your bed and just occupy space and time. Don't let your mind just run. Focus and set your mind on him. Because listen, you say, well, I just, you know. No, no, nobody's mind's ever just quiet. You, you always say, well, I'm trying to quiet my mind. Your mind's never quiet. Stop. Stop. You can play all that ocean music you want. You can play the wind through the breeze and the trees and leaves. And, and you might have this sense of relaxation, but your mind's never still. It's never quiet. You've you got to still your mind on him. You've got to fix your mind on him. And it'll still get invaded by tons of other things. Don't let that distract you. Don't be like, how come my mind? I need deliverance. Somebody needs to pray for my mind. I always got four other voices going through me. Listen, listen, just lock your heart into him. Ignore all those voices. When you were ignored as a kid, it just ticked you off, didn't it? Why don't we learn to do that instead of, I bind you, devil. I plead the blood over my mind. Now you're crossing the floor. Ryan, I just rebuke you. You foul thought. You foul thought from hell. You go back where you belong. Dink. No, you don't belong here. I bind you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Half hour later, you're like, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. And now you're calling somebody, your identity's shattered and prayer ain't working and you're half separated from God if you're even saved and you need prayer. No, that little thing comes, you lift your heart, you just declare truth, and you ignore that you ever even heard it. Because you don't believe it deep in your heart. Why do you let it distract you? Why do you think when it goes away, you have victory? When you stop believing it, you have victory. Because I'll be honest, as long as you keep believing it, it ain't going away. Because it has a voice. And its goal is stronghold. Its goal is to own you. And make you believe it to the degree it's your reality. And put you in that straitjacket of a lie. To where you're paralyzed spiritually and your identity is in bondage. And you can't even hear scripture because you believe this. When you say, you need deliverance. It's not a devil. It's a stronghold of wrong believing. Implied by the devil, maybe. It's not possession. It's wrong Believing.
We just sell so quick sometimes and cheap. We're safe. We're doing great. You're driving to work and you get a flashback of when you slept with that person and you said you would keep yourself and now you're half grayed out when you get to work crying, calling a friend, feeling guilty of sin for remembering the day. Come on. I've been around us. I'm not far off. Why, when that picture comes, don't you just lift up your voice and rejoice that you're a changed person, that God has made you wiser and sharper and washed you clean, and yesterday is dead and gone. And Father, I thank you for the vindication of my life, the redemption of my life, the restoration of truth in my life. You've made my heart strong, and I'm locked in, and I have no time for sin or the flesh or the devil. You are burning in me, God, and I thank you for today. And that little devil that went, he's like, He's running back to the boss. Boss! Did you tell him everything I said? Yeah, boss. Yeah, boss. No, really, I did. I told him everything you said. Well, you ain't going to believe it, boss. Boss, you ain't going to believe it. I told him what you said. I promised word for word. And, and they lifted their heart. Just scared me out of the blue. Like they just lifted their heart and started to worship. God. You fool. You couldn't have told them what I said. When you talk like that to Christians, they get grayed out, depressed, and call for prayer. <laughs> Not this Christian, boss. Boss. Boss, I'm really worried, boss. I, I really think this Christian, I think they're a believer. <laughs> I got to quit on that one. That was good. <laughs> Come on. Jesus. Yeah, come on, we can live this. It's not out of reach, it's not hype, it's not fairy tale. These things are happening to us, they're happening in our minds, we've all been through this stuff, but we have an answer. And his name is truth, his name is Jesus. Yeah? So I want you to walk in the light as he's in the light. If you're thinking anything that doesn't edify or produce life, it can't be the Lord. If you can't take what you're believing and fit it in the mouth of Jesus and make it work, then get it out of yours. Let's live to edify him and let's live to edify one another. Are you hearing me? I just, I just, uh, this whole weekend, I just felt like teach, teach, teach. I didn't pray for much of nothing. But truth is powerful. You know what? I didn't pray for that little Guatemalan girl. I had a young boy come up to me today and introduce me to his daddy. And he had light in his eyes and life in his face. He's somewhere. And he said, man, what you're saying clicked. And he wrapped scripture around it. And I was believing the wrong things. And we think if they're grayed out, they just need prayer ministry and deliverance. Need healing from the past or something. I wonder if it's just this sneaky devil lie thing that tricked him into believing something wrong to where it started to manifest in their expression and rob them from the truth. I wonder if it wasn't anything they did wrong or to open a door. It was just something they believed that they never should have. Are you all with me? Will you lift your hands with me today? I'm just going to pray and close and I'll let Pastor do whatever he feels like he needs to do. He's the shepherd of the house. I'll let him close this thing out. Like we really don't need an order call. Our hearts are before him, right? When you lift your hands like this, just know that you're surrendering. And it's a way of posturing and saying yes to everything you're hearing. 
So if your hands are raised, I'm going to take it that you're saying, yes, I'm all in and I want to live this way. And I'm trusting God will give me wisdom, give me grace, and keep me on track because I sure want to be. I have no desire to live in any other arena than the kingdom of God. Is that you today? If that's you, you lift your hands and you leave them lifted. If it's not you, you're not judged. But I'm just telling you, this is what we're called to. Father, I pray for grace on every person, every hand lifted, every life, every family represented. And I pray that grace would come and empower these truths and cause our lives to look like you, like no time in our lives. That this would be a season where you're raising up an army of people that literally walk in love, no compromise, unshakable. They won't let life speak louder than truth. How they are and who they are will be decided by you, not how things are going. Confront the self-centered tendencies and motives of our lives in every way, please. And show us where it is and what it is so we can change that in the moment. Don't let the hook of self-centeredness be found in our prayer, our I love you, or anything we do. And if it's there, Holy Spirit, we are asking you as a friend and as God the Holy Spirit, reveal it so it can be removed. In Jesus' name. Amen? Love you guys. Thanks for being amazing listeners. Amen? Bless you.